0: I don't know if you're the kind of person that makes resolutions, or if you think that they're absolutely ridiculous. You know, we have to bring that to light when it's the new year. Um, so you do know that only statistically, only eight percent of people actually achieve their New Year's resolutions. So I brought this gem from the internet for you. Uh, it's a comic that says, I, "I'm sure it's come." There it is, right? Nope, comic. There it is. Uh, what exactly is a New Year's resolution? It's a to-do list for the first week of January. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and, you know, the truth is, in our family, we don't really do resolutions because of this, right? Uh, but we do make some goals. And in our family, we made the goal this year uh, to purge. It's going to be the Big Abby Family 2020 purge. My kids are, like, they're getting older, and we should probably get rid of the baby toys. Maybe some of them. Maybe, I don't know. It's, it's hard to do that. But, I, you know, I, and when I say we, I really mean David. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. I'm the one that makes the stacks in the corner and he's good at purging it. That's why I say we're a great union. He does a good job of it. You know, he's home for the school break. He's a school teacher. So he's home and he's like putting all this stuff up on buy, sell trade. So thank you for those of you who are buying our things off of buy, sell trade. And uh, (laughs) he's really good at asking the kids to go through their clothes and make sure they get rid of the stuff. You know, all that kind of stuff. So we're purging. David's purging. And I know that I'm blessed by him because I'd probably be in fetal position on the floor. I just, it overwhelms me to look at all the stuff that maybe needs to go, but I, Anyway, we complement each other. That's all I have to say in that regard. But I thought I'd have a little fun with these resolutions. Um, if you are a person that uh, doesn't make resolutions, then we have some computer-generated resolutions for you that you could do. Basically, what you do is you pick a, a word from each column and make your own. So just pick one. You know, practice freestyle rapping after Civil War reenactments. That would be Pastor Greg's favorite right there. You know, so you can make up your own. Just pick a word from each column. Avoid using the term derivative when tweeting about Tom Hanks movies. I don't know. There's a bunch of them. You just read them. Try mispronouncing Chipotle when deconstructing anything. Okay, I don't know. I just, (laughs) there's a bunch of them. I I got a couple other funny ones off the internet I thought would be fun. Because if you don't make resolutions, you could always do this. Uh, Make vanilla pudding. Put it in a mayonnaise jar and eat in a public, why not, (laughs) it took a a minute, okay, you could always follow joggers around in your car while blasting eye of the tiger for encouragement, (laughs) I like that one, Um, you could wear a shirt that says life and hand out lemons, I'm giving you guys some great ideas today, I really hope you're going to take some of this, Uh, you could get in, this is going to be for you, you can get into a crowded elevator and say, I bet you're all wondering why I've gathered you here today. Right? Okay. Um, I got one for our, um, Michael works in our office. He helps with the bookkeeping and, Uh, this one's for him, Uh, reminisce about the old days, crank out the old school music and dance like crazy. And the the reason I say that is because you know, it's been a good day in the office when the doors, you know, when the office closes and uh, you hear music spilling out of Michael's office (laughs) because he, and he brings out the old school music and he's, you know, you know, it's been a good day when that happens. I don't know if he's dancing like crazy, but I do know that the music is spilling out of his office. This one's my favorite though. Uh, someone wrote this, my new year's resolution is to lose just enough weight so that my gut doesn't jiggle when I brush my teeth. <laughs> All right. Those are good, right? Okay. All right. Okay. I have just last, these are kind of funny. This one is a resolution prayer. So I figured I might as well bring up a prayer. My prayer for 2012, this is, you know, is, uh, is a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't mix these up like you did last year. <laughs> right? Okay. All right. All right. Now there is a benediction slide. This one kind of hurts just a little bit. This is a benediction for us today. May all your troubles last as long as your new resolutions. So, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I had to do it because, you know, pastor Greg would, so I had to in light of that, I had to do that. But needless to say, you know, I, I would say that maybe resolutions aren't the best plan when it comes to growing in your faith, Right. Uh, So today the message is really more centered around some goals that we might be able to accomplish or things both as individuals, uh, but also as a church family. I want to challenge us as we begin this new year. uh, I want to challenge us to be present in our church, get involved in our church, serve in your church, be surrounded in the body of Christ with one another. You know, something I love is that uh, Pastor Greg, you probably know this, he refers to most of us as brothers or sisters, and it's not because he's forgotten your name. It's because he's associating you with the family, that you're part of a family. And I don't want to miss that. So, you know, when he was out of the office and, and when I did see him, I said, I'm about to give you the most awkward hug ever because I can't help it. I realized, uh, you know, with his absence from the office, just how much we all do care and love him so dearly. And so when I saw him, I gave him this big hug and I said, I don't think you understand how much we love you like you're, like you're a dad. And of course, <laughs> he looked at me and he said, well, I'm not, I'm not about to call you my daughter. So, <laughs> He's not ready for that. <laughs> but do know this, we, we are, we're a family. And, uh, and when we stick together, you know that we'll have opportunity to grow together. We'll be encouraged by one another. And, and coming here and being a part of this family, you know that we're going to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's word. Uh, so I brought a verse for us. It's a verse I've used before, but it really does speak into our message today <clears throat> about uh, our lives. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received, to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, we are all called by God, every one of us called to be humble, to be gentle and patient, to be loving, to be unified together with the Holy Spirit, that we would be connected by the peace of God, right? And that the peace of God would be displayed through us. Um, so that's my thought. What, what if our goal was that every day we would remind ourselves with this verse, that we would read through this verse and remind ourselves of how we interact with other people, like weigh decisions in our life based on uh, the in light of this verse. You know, if uh, you're not sure how to respond to someone, that you, you bring through this verse in your mind, say, "Well, will my response shine humility?" Uh, will, will, how I want to respond to someone, will, will it respond with gentleness and loving care? Will it actually bring benefit to the relationship? Will it draw us toward peace and unity? Um, you know, the truth is, in every interaction that we have with other people, think it through. Because my actions should bring benefit to the relationships. And this is what I say all the time, even if it's hard, Even if if it's a person that just wears me out. Even if it's uh, a person that we're not necessarily great friends and Maybe they don't want to be friends either. Uh, But the truth is, we're still called to be humble and gentle and patient and loving in light of all of it. We're still called to bring peace and unity with the Holy Spirit. And here's another key. Even if they don't. Even if they aren't loving or humble or patient or kind, we're still called to remain steady in how we love and care for people, how we shine the light of Jesus. So look at this, First Peter 2.15. He says this, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. I can't tell you how valuable this is. I think about this. There is so much drama. Do you agree with me, right? There's a lot of drama in our world. Uh, there's, there's, there are people, and I know you you could probably think, you, maybe I, I shouldn't say Don't look at the person next to you right now. Uh, because there are people who stir up drama, maybe stir the pot, uh, maybe cause conflict. So just stare ahead. No, I'm teasing. Because we might be one of them. Sometimes we step into that too. So I'm not saying some people, and, no, we all step into that sometimes and, and, and get a part of, 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 I don't know, unhealthy relationship. And what I have learned is that there is no benefit in arguing or fighting with people when there's conflict, stirring, and drama uh, almost on purpose. You know, it goes right along, that's why I say it goes right along with what Pastor Greg was sharing last week, that if reconciliation isn't the goal, then don't do it. Don't go there. You know, I think it's also true that if you know that the other person will not receive reconciliation from you, Set it aside for now. Maybe come back to it later, but set it aside for now. You know, the, the truth is, I know that, that I'm not going to get caught up in the drama if I will live with integrity, if I would remain steady in the way that I respond to conflict as a per, from the perspective of, of being a follower of Christ. If, I, if I'm a person who would dismiss opportunity to say something vindictive, but rather keeping, maybe, maybe keeping my mouth shut Which isn't the easiest thing to do sometimes, is it? Um, But underreacting, that's a big thing that I've learned even from Pastor Greg. He says, underreact every time. Instead, would we speak kindness over those who might be opposing me? And, and, you know, to be sure that we're not speaking judgment over someone, because that's not our job. That's up to the Lord, right? But that we would be honest in how we are feeling, and, and if someone's hurtful, that we'd be honest but not mean about it. Because in that way, we're not giving people an opportunity to say something or speak harshly about us, right? Because it's when we remain steady in the way we underreact, the way we can keep the peace, uh, that our relationship for Jesus will shine through in good time, right? I'm going to bring this verse up. Psalm 34:14 says this. It's simple. Turn from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. That's it. Simple truth, simple message right there, Right? And if I can point out one more thing, even from that Second 2 Peter 2:15 2 verse uh, that we're going to kind of take as we go from here, it says this. I want to point out. It says, "For it is God's will that by doing good we would silence the ignorant talk of foolish people." It's God's will for us to do good. You know, I bring this up because he, when I first started working here, I have I, rem, I remember this conversation that I had with Pastor Zach. It was a comment that he said. We were just talking, and he said, "You know." God's will isn't a target that you're trying to hit, right? And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I don't fully understand what he's saying, but I'm going to store that away for a later time and come back to it later. But that comment just kept resurfacing and coming back over and over and over again in my mind because it, it, was, it was contrary to what I thought I understood. So I started reading, researching in the Bible, and here's what I learned. God's will really isn't a target you're trying to hit. That's it. That's what I learned. <laughs> I just wait I'm just waiting to see if you're listening. That's all. <laughs> okay. But it's true. It's not a dot to dot that you're trying to go one step at a time. It's it's not it's not a tightrope either that you're fearfully taking one step hoping it's the right decision. It's not even a step by step instruction manual either. Every time I read about God's will in the Bible, What I'm finding is that it's not prescriptive. In fact, it's a lot broader. I think one time Pastor Greg shared that being in God's will is like walking on a sidewalk. To stay out of the street, stay out of people's yards, but go ahead and dance, zigzag, saunter, I don't know, have some freedom on the path, on the sidewalk. Because God's word, it warns us against the danger of the street, but guides us towards joy and freedom on the path of his will. And it's God's will, from that 2 Peter 2.15 verse, it's God's will that we would do good. Here's a few more that come from God's word I'm going to share with you briefly, very quickly. Uh, but these are some of the verses that I found in the Bible that specifically talk about God's will. First Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful truth, right? Given for our benefit... God knows what will be most beneficial for us. Here's another one. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4 says this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Again, God knows what will be most beneficial for us and is pointing us toward the joy of purity. Here's another one, John 6:40 says this, For my God's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, who looks to Jesus, and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My question is that, do you believe that Jesus came for you? That, that, he, that, that you specifically are very precious to him? That, that he gave us this, his word so that we might know him, so that we could follow him? So that we could believe in him. And so we share that with others. This is the last one I'll bring up for this, this little segment here. But Micah 6.8 tells us what God expects from those who believe in him. To act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Amen? Amen. Something I can say is that I do think often that we misquote scripture. We do it all the time when we make claims about God's will. Because, some, because maybe something didn't happen Maybe uh, it's a job that you didn't get or a baby that you didn't get to have or a cancer diagnosis that didn't cure or, or just any sort of opportunity that didn't pan out and then someone will say this. Well, it wasn't God's will. Oh, that, cr- that hits me hard because sometimes, can I just say, sometimes nature just happens. Sometimes people can just be mean. Sometimes uh, whatever it is gets in the way. You know, we live in a broken world and sometimes... Life is affected by the brokenness. God's will is how you respond to all this. God's will is in the attitude of your heart, the good, that you would seek peace and pursue it, that you'd follow Jesus, that you'd operate with self-control, and that as we shine the light of Jesus, we'd be able to share the good news. I mean, consider our, our culture for just a minute. Uh, it encourages us to walk the path of least resistance, right? Right? In our culture, uh, we hear a lot of, you know, do whatever makes you most happy, right? And on the surface, that doesn't sound terrible until you see some of the destruction that some of those choices leave behind. I mean, think about doing whatever makes you happy happy often comes at the expense of others, uh, which can easily lead to what? Broken marriages, hurting relationships, bitter children, I mean, think about it. I know, I'm sorry, it feels kind of heavy. <laughs> not normally so heavy, but here's the thing. Our culture emph- emphasizes this, self-preservation, right? Do what makes you happy. But, but what if Jesus had that mindset? <clears throat> I'll try and make it a little lighter. What if Jesus uh, said, you know, going to the cross, that's going to be hard. <laughs> I, I think surely it's not God's will that I would go to the cross. Maybe I'll just um, hang out in this little town. You know, I'd become a really skilled carpenter. I could probably make a good life with that. I could settle down. That would be so nice. What if Jesus had done that, right? Think about that for a minute. Like, my mind is blown because sometimes God's will is more for the benefit of others, and it won't be easy. Jesus knew that. He knew that dying on the cross wasn't going to be easy, but he also knew it was the most beneficial thing for us, Right? Think about Moses, uh, if he was at the burning bush, had he decided that God's plan was too hard and walked away, God still would have been able to accomplish his purpose, but Moses would have missed the blessing, right? Or Abraham, you know, he was known as Abram in the beginning, uh, and God told him to pack up and move from his home, and it says this, Genesis 12:1 says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. But he did what God told him instead of choosing what would have been a lot easier for him. And because of that, the family of God came from his obedience. Right? So don't miss the truth here. You know it's true. God, he delights in the joy of his children. We know that he delights in giving us blessing. The Bible even teaches that every good and perfect gift is from him. I just think sometimes we get off track when we assume and make assumptions about God's will that don't line up with his word. So be careful, right? What I am sure of is that God's will for me is to be humble and gentle, to love and to be kind, to seek peace and pursue it. That's what I'm sure of, which means this. It means that I'm stepping outside of God's will. It means that every one of us are stepping outside of God's will when we choose to be mean. When we choose to be vindictive or unkind or harsh or deceitful, if we choose to be sexually impure, if we choose to be selfish or deceitful or rude, that's when we're stepping off the sidewalk, right? Out of God's will. Don't miss that. Sorry. (laughs) It's the long hair. Uh, But it's true. I think sometimes we get really caught up in a lot of other little details and, and we don't realize that our very attitudes are the things that are taking us outside of God's will, not some of the material decisions or or things that are going on. You know, what I have uh, come to understand is that if I'm walking in His truths, if I'm putting into action love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, you know the list, kindness, self-control, mercy, if I put those into action because no matter specifically what I'm doing, I know if I'm doing it with the right heart attitude that I am walking in God's will for the good of those who love Him and for the sake of the kingdom. You know, I what I would say is this, I think sometimes we obsess too much over what we think God's will should be or or what we think God's will is for the next step of our life and we're putting too much focus on the material decisions. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, we're too worried about which car I should buy or what outfit to wear or what cereal to have for breakfast uh, when really we need to pay more attention to how we interact with people because here's the truth, if the car that you want to buy is going to hinder the resources that you have for others or create a proud heart in you, or lead you down a path of destruction, then that is not the car you should buy. That's not God's will for you to buy that car. Um, Or if you think about the outfit that you want to wear, if the outfit you're looking at is going to suggest some sort of provocative thought in others or create an unhealthy image in your own heart, then guess what? It's not God's will that you would choose that outfit. Or, uh, put it this way too, if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and and you're being encouraged to compromise your good, moral, sexually pure values, then I'm going to tell you something, that relationship is stepping outside of God's will for you, right? Put things in light of God's heart for you, not necessarily all those other things, because the truth is, and, and the key to remember is this, your obedience in the known, These are the things written specifically in Scripture. It will reveal God's will to you in the unknown, those daily choices before you. Okay, let me repeat that. That it's our obedience in the known that will reveal God's will for you in the unknown. That when you follow the will of God written about in Scripture, that your heart will be in line with the will of God in the unknown decisions that you're facing. And because His will isn't a target or a thin line on a tightrope, his will is that you would simply choose what you know will be most beneficial. And I don't mean that selfishly, right? That that his will is that you would be, that you would choose the most beneficial thing for the kingdom of God. Like Jesus did. Right? That, that's why the title of our message today is Seek First. Seek first the heart of God for the sake of the kingdom. Look at Romans 12:1 and 2. He says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I challenge you to read the rest of the chapter because we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about this it talks about using your gifts. It talks about sincerely loving one another. Romans 12 talks about humbly serving as a member of the body of Christ, that if each one of us uses our gifts that God has given us, and as we serve together, then all the needs of the body of Christ will be fulfilled. And as we love one another, uh, Romans 12 says that we won't be overcome by evil, but instead we'll be able to overcome evil with good. That truly is what happens best in community, right? The more you're a part of the body of Christ, the more we come together, the more encouraged we are to choose that way of living, to choose to follow God in, in the heart of God and who he is, um, that we uh, w- that we would be filled and everything, every decision that we make would end up being filtered through the heart of God and will then in turn line up with, with his will. That's what this passage Romans 12, two, that's what it's all about. It's showing us that we should turn from evil, turn away from the wrong that's so prevalent, not to justify wrong decisions, but to be transformed. I think about transformers, right? Oh, Okay, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the heart of God. Because the Bible says what? Turn from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do you get your heart in line with God? Let's look at this. It's, uh, I would say, first of all, dig into scripture on your own. Take the time to really see what God's word has. Search out the heart of God. It's full. The Bible is full. If I can point one out, I'd say this. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable... I can't even say that word, admirable, 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 admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And here's the key, the God of peace will be with you. Friends, we will experience God's peace more fully when we choose to set our minds on the things of God. If you would have told me when I was seven that I would be a pastor someday, I probably would have thought you were crazy. My parents, my family, everyone who knew me would have thought you were absolutely insane. Because uh, while I was extremely wiggly, which I still am, so that's not, that's not new, but I was also extremely shy. And uh, I, I was kind of absent-minded, which still maybe is true somewhat today. Um, I was also pretty deceitful as a kid, I think back um, to being a child. and um, You know, I know that a lot has changed over time, but even in my junior and senior high school years, I was a pretty good liar, and, and I I say that <laughs> because I did whatever I thought was necessary in order to keep things going my way. I was deceitful and manipulative. I was seeking my own glory, and oftentimes that was at the expense of other people. And even um, as I grew, as I as I grew up, I, I went to college. There was a season of my life where I fully turned away from God. Here's, here's what it was. I thought it was too hard to follow God. I thought there were too many rules. I was tired of constantly failing at being a Christian. So I thought it would just be easier to do my own thing. That was college. And, you know, I learned later under some really wise pastors that my thinking was way off track. And, and although we don't have enough time to go into this, this could be a whole sermon all on its own, to be honest. But let me sum up my experience for those of you who, who maybe can find yourself struggling with some of the same things. Can I say this? Know that the Bible teaches what is beneficial, what is good for you. It's not rules that are set there to ruin or squash your fun. But this is a book of love. From a Father God who knows what will bring you greater joy and freedom. So I would say this keep coming here, keep learning what this means, because this is what the Bible teaches me. The Bible, God says this to me My grace is sufficient for you. He says this There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And He also says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Can I tell you, God is good. God can be trusted, and I wish I would have understood that before, because even as an adult, after I was married, can I tell you, there were a number of years that I spent, and I'll tell you, I applied for a number of different positions in different churches, because I just, I was sure that ministry was where I would be, but I didn't get any of those jobs, not even one of them, not even a (laughs) callback. But, you know, the truth is I look back and I see God had a lot of work to do in my heart. You know, back then, I wasn't ready for ministry. All those times before, you know, I would have been hard-hearted. I would have been extremely judgmental of people. I I wouldn't have been a good ministry leader at all had any of those jobs panned out. You know, instead, the the Lord was patient with me. He was slowly revealing truths in my heart that I had misunderstood before. And it took a lot of time before him for him to be able to crack through my stubbornness. I'll just say that. Uh, But you know, God needed me to be on a path of his will in how I interact with people before I was ready for ministry. And now I look back and I see how much he has grown me and changed me over these last years. And I can't be more grateful for the ways he has developed and equipped me for ministry right here in this body of Christ. My time here, I'll tell you, has been so precious to me, and I can't feel more blessed by the hand of God on this journey. The truth is, I thought I was a mature believer before. I was just a baby. And while I do know more now, and while maybe I'm a little bit more mature, I know that there's so much more for me to learn and grow from, and I'm excited for it. I'm open, and I'm asking the Lord, do that. Keep growing in me, because what I was before, oh, man, I'm kind of embarrassed. Are you embarrassed about some? It's just the truth, right? But that's how God works. And that's my prayer for you, that maybe my story will encourage some of you who might feel stuck. You know you need to change. You know you need to mature in your faith, but you don't know how to move forward. Be, Can I say this? Be patient. God will be patient with you. Keep coming to church. Get involved. You know, go to a grow group. Uh, Serve in a ministry team somewhere. Somehow get involved. Read the Bible. And I'd also encourage you to read other great books that will encourage you on your spiritual journey. Tell God where you're stuck and you need his help. Because the Bible says this in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Consider this last verse for us. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Understand, you are a created masterpiece. That's you. Created by God. A masterpiece. Created for a purpose. Every single one of you. And the choice is yours. Will you seek first the heart of God for the sake of the kingdom? Or will you turn from truth and follow the patterns of this world? Because it's one or the other. It can't be both. It's a simple truth. God created all people for good. His purpose for you is for good. His desire for you is good. His will for you is that you would choose to do good. (laughs) Choose to do good things. That when we believe in Jesus, then our response will be evident. That we'll be living in God's will by the way we interact with others. How we shine the light of Jesus, share the gospel of truth and peace. Doing good for the sake of the kingdom. Believing in the one that he sent with a heart of joy and a mission to share. Would you stand with me and we'll pray as we go from here.